This month we're going to talk about money, money, money. There are some really wonderful secular songs with that title or very similar title to that. And I thought we would get one of those out of the band, but uh, some, the wheels fell off that somehow. Um, out of money. Speaking of which, we have, we have the symbols of money hanging from the ceiling. And uh, if that's the real thing, we're going to have to beef up our security because um, th that stuff would disappear. Um, you, you want, you've always wanted to have big money. There it is. Randy Alcorn authored a book entitled The Treasure Principle. And the book just digs into Jesus on the sermon, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 6, where it says, quote, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The, the treasure principle is you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can't take it with you. The old joke is there are no U-Haul trailers behind the hearse. And if you don't get that, it took me several tellings before I got it, so don't feel badly. Well, if, you, if you're like I am, maybe you feel badly. I don't know. Feel however you want to feel. You can't take it with you. You can send it on ahead. And so the first... Uh, key I want us to deal with is God owns everything. I'm his money manager. Now that's old stuff to those of you who have read the scripture and been around uh, congregations that sort of believe the Bible as it's written. If that's the first time you ever heard that, that is a radical thought. It might even be radical if you've been around such congregations because there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians that don't act like this. God owns everything. I'm his money manager. That means, um, for instance, um, the, the steward is, is, is a biblical term uh, that means the manager of the household, including investments, including all of the personnel and so forth. Okay, so the steward is interested in investing the money of the owner in the way that will get the best return. And if there's any kind of risk involved, we'll be safe and still get a good return. And of course, that's what you want is a, is a high risk return with low risk. That. Everybody wants that. Sign me up for that. And uh, this is what the steward does. There was a guy rode rapidly up to where John Wesley was and breathlessly said, your house has just burned to the ground. Wesley is quoted as saying, no, the Lord's house burned to the ground. That means one less responsibility 
for me. Now that makes nice rhetoric. Didn't that kind of flow nicely? Did you like that? Uh, that's a little more difficult to get into. After we moved to Kansas City, we had, we had been married 14 years and had lived in a parsonage for all of those 14 years. And the Lord just kind of said, it's time to buy a house. We bought a house. And not having any equity, we bought a new house. It was a nice house. And so you know the Lord had to do his miracle. So he did. We had gone out of the city on vacation and were coming in from, from the southwest part of the U.S., and I was just driving along, tending to my own business with the family in the car with me, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. What if your house has burned to the ground and it's just a pile of ashes? Hit me hard. And, of course, I did the spiritual thing immediately. I just got sick at my stomach. <laughs> now, I knew better. I don't, I don't want to give in to that emotion and that... And, and the intellectual uh, premise behind that. So I begin to work on it. And after a while, I don't remember how long it took me on that trip, but before we got back to Kansas City, I, I said, God, that is your house. And if that's the way you want it, that's fine. We'll deal with it. And I was at peace. Now, of course, obviously, John Wesley was way ahead of me, will always be that way, but um, that's the way we, we have to do that. You say, that's, that's weird. You're just weird, newbie. You're neurotic. What's, what's your deal? No, I'm not neurotic. I am free from having to deal with this stuff. And we have lived in, we're in our fourth house now in 37 years, having lived in this community. And uh, this house is a nice house. I'm grateful for it. Um, and if it, if it burns down while I'm preaching, scoot over because I'm going to come stay with you. But here is the deal. If we think of that house, your house, your car, my stuff, um, what, what is it? Uh, uh, your toy. Oh, your your iPad. You know, you, you got the iPod, and then you got a better one. And then you got the iPhone. And now it's the iPad, and part of the life of this church is operated out of an iPad. And I was sitting close to a sound system last night and was was expected to intelligently operated and as it was coming out of the iPad and I uh, I had a little moment that would have sort of uh, resembled panic it's called not knowing which end is up and of course the good thing about an iPad whichever end you put up it'll adjust to you so so I, w I, I got one step into this thing I didn't know which corner to push, um, et cetera, et cetera. These toys, what if somebody steals your iPad and you never see it again? Well, bless God, I hope they go to jail for that. You see that little jaw right there? 
A little body language is very important that you recognize that in you. I recognize it in me. You recognize it in me. Do you recognize it in you? Because when we act like an owner, it's a red flag. We are not into the scripture yet. We should be thinking like stewards, and, and we, if somebody steals your, your uh, iPad, it's like, okay, God, that's yours. If you want them to have that more than you want me to have that, that's just fine. You take care of your stuff. No. You say, you are neurotic, newbie. I knew it. I could tell. We must think like stewards, investment managers. we looking for the best place to invest the owner's money. And at the end of our term of service, we will undergo a job performance evaluation. It's listed like this in Romans, the 14th chapter. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. We will be evaluated by God himself, the owner of everything. The boss is going to evaluate our performance. Does that frighten you? It should. We're talking about the creator of the universe. This is not some little light deal. We're not talking about Santa Claus. God is not wishy-washy. You know, Santa Claus is wishy-washy. We know that because he brings you stuff even when you're bad. He did all your life. He still does. God is not wishy-washy. And he is merciful. He is long-suffering. But there is going to be an accounting when the facts will be the facts. Just here it is. Black, white, clear, bottom line is all added up. It all adds. All of the columns add this way. And this way, it, it all adds up. And he will say, let's talk about this. The goal is for him to say, look at this. That's a good job. Come on in. Enter into my joy. That's the goal. If you read the King James, it's well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. That's the goal. So here is what God wants from us. He wants us <clears throat> to identify how it is to, to be the steward, the manager of his stuff, and to get into it, to become better and better and better at it. Here is, here is one of the uh, principles that you will find in, in all of this treasure business. The more we give, the more we delight in our giving. Some of you have watched this around a, a Bible-believing church for a long time. And there are people who just give a bunch of money in, in comparison to what they have. It's a large chunk. Now, it, it may be like the widow's mite where Jesus, you know, she gave a fraction of a penny and Jesus said she's given more than all these other guys. So it's, it's, it's proportional giving. But you know someone 
whether they have a, a limited income or a large income, and they just, it, it's just a big chunk of it, just gets given away all the time. They're always in these missionary offerings. They tie it as a foundation. They, they give missions on a monthly basis so the church can support missionaries. When there is a building thing, they get into it with all four feet. That's who they are. And they act like they love that. And they keep that act up consistently. Because you don't believe they enjoy it because nobody could enjoy giving away that much money, but they act like it all the time. In the dark, in the light, they act like it. Now, I'm being sarcastic, okay? Stay with me. Um, if you don't give, it's really hard to give. I can't afford to give. And five bucks just rips your guts out. <laughs> I love it. When I sense that everybody's focused here, you may not be liking it, but you're paying attention. So when we start, when we start giving our money away, it gets more joyful. And God loves a cheerful giver. That's a weird scripture, don't you think? God loves a cheerful giver. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't give when we don't, when we don't feel all cheerful. Cheerfulness very often will come during the act or after the act of obedience, not before. That's it's related to the sowing-reaping thing. We will, we will visit that probably three sermons from now. But uh, it is so much fun to know that you're fitting in with what God says. Here is a way that you can... You can do this. Don't wait until you feel like giving. Just give and watch the joy follow. God delights in our cheerfulness in giving. Loves that. He wants us to find joy. God wanting me to give is to make me filled with joy. Well, that seems to be what the scripture says. There is a passage in the second letter to the Corinthians. They were taking up an offering, a, a relief offering, for the uh, church in Judea. And this was in uh, central, southern, uh, and actually sort of eastern Europe, uh, bordering over on Asia. And so Paul is writing to this Corinthian church. Corinth was in Greece, so that's in, that's in Eastern Europe, south, way down in the southeast corner of Europe. And he says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. That is the weirdest verse. Is that weird? Get, get these phrases here. Severe trial, overflowing joy, extreme poverty. How does that fit together? It fits together because God will come in and change your heart and your life when you give it to him. It's like a guy 
who has a successful career and is just doing just fine and says, I'm going to resign and go to Southern Africa? Maybe, maybe Southern Hawaii. You know, Oahu has a southern coast. North coast is where the big waves are. Southern coast is where Waikiki is. Not southern Africa. Not if you're used to all of the goodies and the the ease of life that we have in middle America. But God can do that and, and the guys... And I've watched this for many, many years. Have you noticed? You've watched it too. They act like it's wonderful. And they're privileged to get to go. They're even more neurotic than I am. Or God works miracles in our hearts and changes us and fills us with joy and makes us so happy. And it's unrelated to this external stuff. Now, if you are a conservative politically, you are fit to be tied with the present administration in Washington. If you are morally conservative and, and uh, are pro-life and so forth and so forth and so forth on those moral issues, you were delighted with the earlier administration that preceded the current administration now if and and you see we we are all tied up with this stuff outside of us and it can just mess with us i remember uh when when we had had a pro-life administration last century and i can remember last century i can remember last millennium And I don't look that old, do I? The, um, we had this pro-life administration, and we elected a guy that did not share that. And so when we, when we inaugurated him, within the first five days, he started paying all these debts to the pro-choice and these people that kill babies and stuff like that. And I was just sick. I was just, you know, I responded in this great way of faith, just like I did mention a minute ago. I just get sick at my stomach. It was awful. It really was. From, from the, you know, the, the life of an unborn child, it was bad. However, the peace of God and the joy of the Lord are even greater than things that are very important, like moral issues. There was a very important, I'm not making light of that, I'm just saying things come and go and if we're looking to Washington to be our source, we are going to be clobbered time and time and time again. If you're liberal, we'll mess around and elect a conservative and you'll just be devastated. It doesn't matter, you're going to be had by this life. It will mess you up. But God does not change. And when he is taking over this stuff on the inside and working in you, then you can have severe trial, overflowing joy, extreme poverty, which will well up into rich generosity. 
Tell me that's not a weird verse. Tell me that God is not a miracle worker because that is true. I have seen it personally, and I know that you have too if you've been around the Lord a long time. We need to be very, very real. You know what these, these Macedonians, this is the bunch that, that Paul was talking about. He was using them, by the way, to challenge the Corinthian church to give more money. Now, I hate it when somebody comes in and says, uh, did you know that the congregation down the street gave X, Y, Z? What are you going to do? And it's like, don't. But Paul just did it in your face. The Macedonians, extreme poverty, overflowing joy, severe trial, great generosity. If that's not in your face, baby, I don't know how to get in your face. And then he said later, a couple of verses later, he says, They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints, this relief offering for the Judean Christians. Uh, probably Paul had said, you guys can't give, you don't have any money. And they urgently pleaded with him for the privilege of giving. You know what? When they take an offering and I don't have any money, I feel sort of protected because I don't have anything to give and I just can't do it. Not the Macedonians. They got hold of Paul by the sleeve and wouldn't turn loose and said, you got to let us participate. We've got to get in on this. We need a piece of this action. You're too poor. We've got money. Let's see what we can give. And it, it just rose up into rich generosity is his term. Now that, that is really challenging to me. And here is the deal. Christ's grace defines, motivates, and puts in perspective our giving. 2 Corinthians, now this is on a little bit further in that same that, that same line about the Macedonians giving and the Corinthians responding. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. God has invested, and that's the reason God can do this stuff with poor people. That's the reason that we can have victory in our hearts, peace, joy, all of, all of the right kind of stuff on the inside of us to respond to life when life is going south on every front. You don't like the politics. You don't like the economy. You don't like what's going on in the family. You don't like what's going on in your body. Everything is wrong. God has invested His Son to the place that because of his poverty, we can be rich in this life, in this heart, in this mind, in this spirit, in these relationships. We can be rich in spite of the circumstances. Now, we know that. That's just old stuff. But God wants to take us a step beyond where we have been before, I believe. I want you to keep your heart open in these next few weeks as we talk about money. Because giving infuses the life with joy. It interjects an eternal dimension even into the most ordinary day. 
And so the first treasure key is God owns everything. I'm his money manager. The second key is my heart always goes where I put God's money. Jesus said it like this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just as simple as that. Jesus is saying, if you show me your checkbook, your visa statement, and your receipts, I'll show you where your heart is. Now, I remember when I wanted to make sure that the largest check that I wrote in the course of the month was to the Lord's work. I wanted it larger than the house payment. I wanted it larger than the visa we, whatever, whatever's large. We pay off whatever credit card we're using monthly. So uh, if, there's, if there's been a lot of activity or we've done a vacation or something like that, it can be pretty large. The goal is to, for the Lord to be getting more. And sometimes I'm there, sometimes I'm not. But here's the thing. If you buy... Let's see, there's an up-and-coming company that you heard about, and they're about to make an independent uh, offering of their, of their uh, stock, and you decide to put some money in there. You had just kind of heard about it, and then you did a little research. You put your money in there. After that, you follow it every day. Oh, yes, you do. Because you got money there. Where your treasure is, your heart just goes there. You don't have to say, oh, i got to go check the stock. No, you got to say, i got to put this down and do something else today. I've already checked the stock. So if you put your money in missions, and we're trying to get you to, we're trying to, get you to pray and, and, and go on these uh, short-term things that we go to extreme church makeovers and so forth that we can do as a congregation within driving distance and so or or our youth missions trip you put money into that guess where you you're going to pray now we probably should have taken the missions offering after i had some of these things to say i don't know if you're saying to yourself i should have made that check a little more generous We'll still take your money, put Verschlois, and, and just spell it the best way you can, down in the memo, and we'll see that it goes there. Do you wish that you cared more about eternal things? Would you like to be more spiritual? You know the next line. Fill it in. Put your money there. Reallocate some of your funds. God wants our heart involvement. He wants us tied up in Him so that we are so tied up in Him that we're right up next to Him. We can hear His heartbeat. We can feel the warmth of His love and His protection and His comfort, whatever. Now, you see, let me talk about this comfort thing. Because our relationship with God is holistic. It's not, well, I'm going to give him my marriage and my parent-child relationship and my relationship with my siblings and how I get along on the job. And I'm going to give that to God. But I don't have enough money to give anything to God. I can't, I can't give money. That's not the way that works. It, it, you, you start 
getting it. You, we don't do it smoothly, okay? I'm not asking you to grow. Adolescent boys are kind of the way we grow. Uh, many of them, not all of them are like this. But some of us, when we were adolescents, our feet got their adult size while we were still about this tall. I had a nephew, and he was a, he was a tennis player. As a matter of fact, William Jewell paid him to go to school there and play tennis for them. But when he was about 14, his shoe size was about 14, and he was about 5'8", and it looked bizarre. Now, he grew to be 6'4", and you don't worry about size 14 when you're 6 feet 4. But that, he played a lot of high school tennis with these great old big shoes running back and forth. And I have good-sized feet. My Lord, mine looks smaller beside his. Thank God. And so that's, and then and sometimes it's our nose, sometimes it's our ears or our hands. Uh, guys do this a lot more than girls. Thank God that it's the guys. And... Uh, Hopefully, then we all kind of grow and, and it kind of gets together. And so in the Lord, don't, don't, even if you're a female, you probably won't grow smoothly. Just grow. Let's talk about money today, okay? Get into it with money. Grow in your faith. Grow in your ability to give. God wants us to be so... Um, wrapped up in what he is doing he he wants us to be filled up with his life he wants our involvement and so this is this is what he wants okay my heart goes where i put god's money that we follow that a little ways and let me say we have to take care of our families and uh after you take care of your family, you have to feed, clothe, shelter, and transport them. You may have to help them get an education a little bit. Um, then the rest, don't you want it? Do you want to be spiritual? Give it to God. Put it in heaven. Uh, Moses left Egypt's treasures because he was looking ahead to his reward. And... Uh, here is, here is the way this works. He who lays up treasures on earth spends his life backing away from his treasures and death represents loss. Did you follow that? The one who lays up treasures in heaven looks forward to eternity. He's moving daily toward his treasures to him, death is gain. In this holistic business, uh, it, you see how it just all goes together because uh, Friday, it was uh, Lisa Thomas's dad died, uh, Bill Clark, William Clark. And Bill had been, uh, had been really sick for a little while. He was actually the caregiver for his wife and then the wheels fell off his health, and Friday he, he left us. But when I got up to the hospital Thursday, Lisa's sister was there, who is a believer, 
And she told me a little bit about its physical deal. And here's what she said. We, we had a conference with the doctors, and, we, and, and hospice was in there. And we asked for a, a DNR, and if you don't know what that means, it says do not resuscitate, which means if he has um, a stroke or something, let nature take its course. If he has a heart attack, let nature take its course. Just don't resuscitate. He's, he's done. His body is shot. Now, this is a godly man raised. We have the privilege of having one of his daughters in our congregation, godly kids, and, and she, she was telling me this, and occasionally when a kid is talking about their dad like that, you know, you get a little watery-eyed, but it, there was this confidence in her. It was like Bill had laid up his treasures in heaven, and he's going to go get them, and there's not much we can do about that. And we can do this heroic stuff and put him on life support, but we'll just have to take him off. And we're not going to go through that, and we're not going to punish him. He deserves to get to go home. Now, is that good? Now, that stinks from our side. What's wonderful about that, Pastor? I don't know from my side. It's, you know, I haven't lost very many people. Mom died, and, and I never get to see Mom again. She was wonderful. She was an incredible, anyway, the, over the top. And I never get to see her. And she's been gone for uh, this August. It'll be 12 years. And I, good grief, that was a good girl. Man, oh man, we could have good conversations. She loved God. And she had been a preacher since she was like 16 years old and had won tons of people to the Lord. There's so many ordained ministers in the Assemblies of God that were saved in her revivals in North Texas when she was a teenager. Great, great powerful ministry she's gone however if, if I could if I could say mom um, we've got the faith to bring you back come on back she'd say are you kidding me use that faith for something that somebody wants <laughs> because I'm not coming back and you can't make me that's what she'd say. Now, she's very gentle. She's a Southern Belle, you know, lovely lady, but that would be the message. And Bill Clark left us Friday, and he is home free. And you see this comfort now that this family has, and, and it's going to hurt, and they're going to cry some more because they don't ever get dad again, okay? So you cry about that stuff. But it's not this punishing, gut-wrenching kind of sorrow. And that goes with this treasure business. You get things in order, and it just works. And if you know Christians who act like that they're just completely under the gun of all of the circumstances of life, and they have to respond usually negative to everything that happens, good or bad, there is, just know that there is a much higher place for them. And if you're not a Christian, and, and you said, well, I... I'm as happy as those people. Look, look at how they're acting. Let me tell you, don't take them. Take the scripture and take some of these other models. Pick some models that make you look bad, okay? Because there are Christians that live it and love it and rejoice in it. And even when dad dies through their tears, they'll just grin at you and say he's home free. And it really hurts to give him up. But man, is he free, okay? 
Now, church, I want my goal for us is that we will be this stinking, squeaky, so conservative we squeak when we walk Christians when it comes to living right in loving others, forgiving others, doing this with our money, doing this in our marriages with our parent-child, with our job. The, the best worker on the job is the member of Crown Point Church. This, that's what God wants for us, okay? That's His will here. Now, I'm, I'm, try, I'm moving in that direction myself. I'm trying to take you with me. Some of you are way ahead of me, but that's the goal. And if you're not very far along that, money is a great place to start. And I want you to pray this week, and I'll give you some more stuff next week, that God has, has that will encourage you, that will make it safe for you to give your money away. And I know that sounds weird. In our, in our culture, it's like this all the time. Give me, give me, give me. Just try it. Be scientific and try it next week. And if you're not walking with the Lord at all, I want you to know that no matter how the people around you in this room live, no matter how much I still lack to be what I ought to be as a Christian, God is faithful and these promises are true if no one else makes it work you come to God and make it work. It works. May we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bring to you this congregation. For those of us, O oh Lord, who are walking with you.